Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism. I'm your host for today, Amy Hills, and my day job is as the Director of Strategy, Government and Industry with Tourism Tasmania. Talking Tourism is the podcast series especially for tourism operators and tourism professionals. It's an initiative of the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, the peak industry body for tourism in our beautiful state. And today's episode is supported by the Tasmanian Government. It's part of a series of podcasts being released every fortnight through the COVID-19 emergency to keep Tasmanian tourism operators up to date with the latest news and developments, but also importantly, the support and assistance being made available by the state and federal government, as well as other industry authorities. In today's episode, we're going to be speaking with two tourism industry operators who will be well known to many of you. I'll be chatting with Daniel Leesong from Coal River Farm and Kim Seagram from Stillwater, Black Cow and the Able Gin Company. Just to, to have a chat about how they've been experiencing the current crisis, how they've responded and any advice they might have for others who might be just needing a bit of guidance or mentorship right now. Daniel, welcome. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. Look, before we get into your personal story, I might ask you a little bit about the other hat that you wear, which is as the chair of the Tourism Industry Council um, Tasmania. Can you tell us a little bit about where the focus of the Industry Council has been over the last month or so? Yeah, look, it's every day has been so different, obviously, as the true scale of what we're dealing with has been unfolding. But what the, the industry's, Industry Council has been trying to do is um, just ensure the lines of communication are open, that um, information that comes to light is effectively communicated to industry and the broader public, um, but also for us to, um, behind the scenes, have have numerous talks and um, and just just oversee exactly the sort of assistance packages that are coming out. So um, we've had a really um, busy time, um, and Luke Martin, the CEO, has had a, had a lot to do, um, but... Um, it's still a working piece. There's still a lot to be done. Mm. And look, I'll, I'll, for the benefit of our listeners, I'll also note that um, you're in day, did you say day 12 of self-isolation? Yes, I'm yeah. in day 12 of self-isolation. <laughs> uh, after having um, come back into the States. So you're at home, um, like many of us are, with the kids. So we may um, we may hear that, which is absolutely uh, fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about my um, two sons killing each other in the background there a second ago. <laughs> Well, it's all part um, of the story that we're all living at the moment, isn't it? So it's so it it's is, good. It is. So look, if we have a bit of a chat about you and, and your business, if I can take you back, say, to early January 2020, before perhaps we understood where COVID-19 was, was going to take us, um, what plans did you have for your business? What, what were you looking at for 2020? Ah, well, uh, we had large expansion plans. So um, uh, our cheese production was at full capacity. We're uh, expanding our our uh, maturing facility. Um, we'd just recently taken the warehouse to be able to do that um, so that we could make um, some different varieties of cheeses. Um, we're also we're, uh, we're preparing for a bumper um, Easter period. So uh, for us as a chocolate maker um, and tourism operator, you've got um, peak times of the year, and, and Easter is obviously that peak time. Um, we also had a, a further complication in that 
um, our expansion has been also to the mainland of Australia. So um, we recently opened a shop in Melbourne, um, which is obviously on Mossballs, and we've got two shops opening in Perth, which uh, the builders have uh, largely completed, which I had to um, go into state in Mossball for, for the foreseeable future. So um, there's lots going on for us, and it's uh, it's been a pretty, pretty stressful time. Mm. When, I guess, did you realise what COVID-19 really meant for you, for you and your business? When when did it dawn on you and, and what that would actually mean in terms of all your plans that you had for, for 2020? Um, every day it was, it was like peeling back an onion. You sort of thought you were going to deal with um, a particular issue and you thought, oh, that's about as bad as it will get. But every day it did get worse. Um, so now obviously we're in when essentially shut down so um so we've had to adapt ourselves as best we can um it's had serious staff implications it's had serious um implications on so many people so yeah i would say week a few days in when things started to actually get restricted um but you're still kind of hopeful last half full um but now obviously now it's just a matter of it's a survival mode so that we can bounce back when when we do actually have the all clear mm. What was it like and how did you approach that issue, which so many of those listening today um, will be lis- will have had to have done, which is those conversations with your staff? Yeah, look, we um, uh, the, first, the first thing we did was just to put everybody on annual leave that wasn't working, um, just so that we could get some space to... Uh, to decide how you know how it was going to look and feel um, over you know the next next month or two or six or however long it is, mm-hmm. um, but so so we did do that. But um, we had no choice but to stand down a lot of people, um, hopefully temporarily, um, over the last week um, as annual leaves were used and as um, as simply the cash just wasn't there to be to be paying out you know, those those cash liabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a it's a stressful time for all of us, mm-hmm. but. Um, something where we had to move very quickly. I'm sure every business has been in the same boat because um, the the main thing, um, well, the way I, I see it now is it's really about um, ensuring you actually have a business to re to relaunch when um, when we're through the other side of it. Mm. And we'll we'll talk about that in in a second. But um, obviously, you've you've got a family that you're also dealing with. You're you're dealing with your business, as you said. You you had to travel in. In interstate, and now you've come back into self isolation. How have you managed to have? Have you had any tips or tricks for supporting your, yourself, your own sort of mental well being during this time? Um, it's funny actually. I mean, exercise has been a big part of that, and just just getting some fresh air, which is pretty difficult when you're mm. on self isolation. But um, but you quite a big do. Um, but uh, family and friends. I mean, family has played a much more important role um, in a during this time of crisis. Um, you end up finding yourself speaking to them a lot more um, and they've been great. And then the same with close friends. I think everyone um, largely when they look around them have people that they can um, um, talk to and just, just generally chew the fat with. Um, it's been crucial. Without that, it would have been horrible and it would continue to be horrible. Mm. So let's talk about your business then. You you say that, you know, Easter is obviously coming up. Easter is still coming up. Have you been able to make any adaptions or changes still to keep going from a skeleton perspective? Um, yeah, look, we're, we're more fortunate than others in because we do have a diverse business. Like we've got the, you know, the restaurant, which obviously, which is closed, um, but we do still have a manufacturing element. Um, that's obviously taken a massive hit, but um, what we did was um, really push our online stuff. So it was coincidence, but we were, we were lucky in that I was working on a, a revamped online shopping 
um, experience for the last four or five months. Um, so I, I was able to bring that forward and, and launch it relatively quickly. Um, the response has been absolutely fantastic from uh, from the local community, community wanting to support um, you know local producers. So mm. I'm very grateful for that. But it's still only a small part of what you know what's really needed to keep things going at the level it was. Mm. And how are you letting people know about that, about that online presence? Is it just organic um, again, word of mouth? Uh, it's it's a bit of both. So we uh, so again, social media has been a pretty big focus of how we've kind of marketed it to people for, for four or five years now. So uh, we we're fortunate that we had a, a large social following. So we've really utilised that as our primary way of telling people. Um, and then because because of the nature of what we did, and we did some pretty um, some pretty good deals, if you like, from a retail sense, um, it got people talking. So it, it worked. Um, my greatest fear is that because you know my particular type of business is very seasonal. Um, come the end of April, then then our, our revenue will be gone. Mm. So that that's something that we have to grapple with and and mm. figure out how we're going to adapt that further. Might be some good value cheese online in the future, <laughs> and and it's certainly good cheese. So is that th- that's the next step for you to sort of keep foreseeing the next risk to your business and then sort of deal with that as it comes? While I, I guess navigating what assistance might be out there from um, from the government. Yeah, I think that's it. Has to be one step ahead, uh, one step forward at a time, um, and we're taking it day by day. Um, but I think people, well, I'm, I'm certainly realizing that there's not going to be a you know, not going to be an early exit to all this. We're going to have to have a plan for um, the medium term at least. So, um, yeah, it's 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 something that we haven't entirely got our head around as to how we're going to look and feel um, over the next month, other than the fact that we're, you know, we're back to absolute skeleton staff um, and um, really just how we can eke out just a little bit of um, a little bit of operations, just so things like factories don't get completely closed. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a not a not a fantastic time to be in business. <laughs> no, no, it's it's incredibly challenging, and um, I guess there'd be so many people who are listening today who will be in the same position as you. Perhaps the only thing we can offer them is a message that they're they're not alone either. That there is uh, there are industry and and others that are there to you know have a chin wag with or have a chat and 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 help them through the challenges. Would that be right in saying? Yeah, absolutely. And there's actually a lot of really good people that are more than happy to lend support. So whether it be a accountant or the, you know, the industry has a number of um, um, firms that, you know, that they can provide some assistance um, or some, some advice and some guidance um, for free. Um, so there's that element of it. The government's actually been pretty good, both state and federal, in terms of um, its support packages. It's not perfect, but it is actually pretty... Um, pretty good and you know hopefully will be relatively easily accessible for people um but yeah i think i think the biggest the biggest thing that worries me out of all this is the is the human element and the human cost um, in terms of it, this, the mental cost and the um the community cost um mm. and that's that's the area where i don't think there's a simple fix you can easily deal with your um your business side of things you know in terms of you know that's very um action focused mm. but the, the mental toll is a much harder, more intangible thing for you know to deal with. Um, I'm very conscious of all the, the people that you know that work with us that are effectively extended family that um, that would be going through their own personal dramas as a result of this. Um, and really, it's just a matter of just um, realizing that we're all in it together more than anything else, and and talking to anybody, reaching out to people um, when 
you know, when you think they might just need a need a person to talk to. Mm, staying connected, I guess, as well. And um, there's certainly support available that um, we've been highlighting through Tourism Talk and we'll continue to do that for um, professionals in terms of Lifeline and others if, if people need that. Yeah, yeah. And the, the social connection element, you know, it's very hard when you're, when you're down in lockdown, but, um, but there are ways of keeping socially connected. And um, I know I've got friends that are Utilising the new social platforms in a, in a big way, um, and just uh, just really trying to make the most of it. Spending time if you have families, spending time with with kids, um, mm. make sure they don't spend too much time on that on the fortnight or, or whatever the game is of the day. <laughs> Always um, a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, really just really just I guess trying to just come together as a as a unit. Mm. Well, look, we'll we'll end it there, Daniel, but really thank you for sharing your personal story. Sometimes that's not easy to do, but I do think that it is helpful for others to know and to hear that uh, others are going through the same thing and that uh, you're um, dealing with the same challenges that they're probably dealing with from, from day to day. So we really do thank you for that. Oh, thank you very much. And um, yeah, ultimately, to me, it's just about um, about keeping hanging in there and uh, and we will come out the other end and we'll come out stronger. But um, it's just going to be a bit bumpy, I think, along the way. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Okay. Now I've got Kim Seagram joining me, who many of you will know. She's got many, many hats and has been in the industry for, for quite some time. But just to name a few, Stillwater, Black Cow, Able Gin Company. I'm going to be chatting with Kim around when she first understood what COVID-19 might mean for for her businesses and then some of the changes she's seeing in her customers and and how she's a, she's adapting. Welcome Kim. Hi there Amy. Thanks thanks for joining me. Um no problem. I asked the same question of of Daniel earlier. If we go back prior to to COVID-19, can you tell me um what did you have planned? What what was 2020 looking like for, for your for your stable? We were so excited. Uh, 2020 was um, was such an incredible new opportunity for um, for our businesses and and for our industry overall. And uh, we had just launched um, Stillwater Seven, the accommodation above the restaurants, um, in April last year, and in fact had just come back from uh, the National Australian Tourism Awards, um, and uh, in Canberra, and had taken away the silver medal for second best new tourism experience in uh, new tourism business in Australia. So we were really, really starting to kick some goals and really taking um, an operation that um, Stillwater Restaurant itself is about to celebrate its 20th year in October and, you know, continue to to grow it and, and make it a really strong offering in the, in the Tasmanian tourism experience. So when did you realise, when did it dawn on you? Because it was such a fast-moving um, situation in terms of when businesses needed to shut their operations. When did it really dawn on you that things, 2020 was going to look quite different to that? Well, it, it hit us kind of like a tsunami. You know, there, there was that quiet uh, period as the uh, the ocean withdrew. And then you also had this little dawning in your, in your head going, oh, my God, we're about to be hit with something. And for me, it was the, uh, the point. I actually had my mother visiting from Canada, um, even though my dear father had said, don't go. Um, uh, anyway, so she came over here. And all of a sudden, I looked at her um, at that first Friday in um, 
in March. And I just said, we have to get you out of here. Um, and so what that little three-day panic of trying to contact the airlines to switch um, to switch the, uh, the tickets and, of course, being on hold for five hours, not getting through, getting hung up on, and then actually not being able to be put on hold, I realized I just had to go in and buy, um, um, you know, an international ticket to get her back to Canada on time. Um, and I think I probably had about 36 hours there of, of absolute panic, but managed to get her out of the uh, the country within 24 hours and, and back home shortly thereafter. So that was my defining moment. Um, and from then on in, um, that's when the wave really hit. And that's when we really realized that our businesses were going to be changed significantly um, and not just for a short period of time. Mm. So how did they change, Kim? What have you done to adapt to the situation that uh, we now have ourselves in? It was a continued pivot from the uh, from the moment social distancing really started coming into place, <clears throat> and it was literally from from meeting to meeting, and it was from day to day. So one day, all of a sudden, we're taking a third of the uh, the tables out of the uh, out of the restaurants. Um, we're putting in new um, hygiene regimes in the restaurants and in um, in Stillwater Seven. We're doing everything so that we can try and keep um, our staff and our customers as safe as humanly possible. Um, but then it was watching the the nighttime news. It was watching the um, the premier's address in the morning to understand the next pivot that we had to make for the businesses. And of course, the last major one that was hit was, was of course, having to absolutely shut down the business and go to takeaway only. And so then it was the emergency meeting, you know, how do we uh, enter this brave new world of takeaway? Because mm. that's certainly not what our restaurants were designed around. <laughs> <laughs> well, having, having eaten at your restaurants, um, I, I understand what you mean. So so what can you take us through that thought process of, of how you worked through pivoting the business from, you know, fine, that beautiful fine dining? to to take away options that would actually resonate with the customers that were going to want that now. Well, exactly. And I think it's it's starting to understand and, you know, really starting to understand the customer's needs now is one thing that, is, that has evolved over the last sort of 10 days. And whereas we had a really, you know, we were a destination dining experience for Tasmania. So we really focused on our, our interstate and our international customers. Um, although Black Cow was more, developed more as a restaurant for the local community. Um, however, very popular with our visiting public. And all of the sudden we had to understand, you know, not only were we losing all of those customers, um, we really had to, to create an offering for our local community that their lives had just been changed significantly. You know, many of them had um, decreased income if they still had a job. Uh, many of them all of a sudden had their kids at home. And not only did they have the kids at home, they were starting to homeschool. You know, massive stresses in those areas. All of a sudden, they're locked up with their family. And, you know, not just... Um, in the evenings where everybody's sharing their stories about their day, but 24-7, and with it, with it comes stresses there. And we just had to start understanding how we were going to design a product that was either going to make their lives easier or provide an absolute moment of delight, um, you know, if it's going to be a once-a-week treat, 
And then we also had to to say, do we go straight to takeaway or do we do takeaway and delivery? All of a sudden, we have all these kids in the operations. We had to start, um, and Bianca did a great job of this, who had to start, unfortunately, standing them down and understanding how we were going to create their future for them and keep them connected with the business. And and fortunately, with the um, initial stand down, um, at least they had the uh, job seeker um, to uh, subscribe to. Um, to keep them uh, in a paycheck. And we're just going through all the machinations of getting, um, you know, those core and vulnerable staff onto our um, our job keeper program mm-hmm. um, to not only work in the in the operations, but to give them an alliance with the uh, the restaurant. So when we do come at the other end, that we do have those incredible staff members ready to go to take on uh, to take on what life is going to be post COVID. So how has understanding the life and the issues impacting your customers right now and those being the Tasmanians, how mm. has that then impacted the changes you've had to make to what you're offering and your product? Well, it's interesting because when um, when we put black cow, we kind of put two, uh, two levels of offering out. Your sort of basic black cow meal that you would get in the restaurant, you know, with all of the and then we actually created a steak sandwich, something that was just a little bit uh, more casual that you could grab and eat in front of the telly and uh, and not worry about it. As my dear friend who sent me a note afterwards, oh my God, I can eat black cow in my trackies. <laughs> so, you know, we were absolutely you know starting to delight a few of our, our our local customers who really enjoyed being able to have that special experience, but in their own home environment. Stillwater, we're still going through uh, machinations of how we're going to go forward with our offering. We kind of went forward with our, our evening offering and it was lovely to see people posting uh, wonderful uh, tables that they'd set in their homes to celebrate their anniversaries, to celebrate birthdays with their their direct family and have the um, be able to put the Stillwater uh, food on the, t- on the table. We uh, catered for, or quote-unquote takeaway catered for a, uh, a wedding with the uh, two lovely clients of ours on the East Coast who, who got married this weekend. It was just the two of them. Wow. And they sent beautiful pictures back. But, you know, it, it does start bringing back to the basics of what people essentially really need in their lives. And they need somebody to care for them. And how better to care for them than providing really beautiful food? Absolutely. And we were discussing before we we started this podcast around Mm. the different stages that you see not only your business, but perhaps us as an industry needing to grapple with. Um, Mm. And there are many people listening to us today who are dealing with the same issues, might be on a micro level, same level as yourself and Daniel. Can you give us some musings, I guess, around where you see us all needing to collectively go um, over the the next few stages of of COVID-19? Well, I think once everybody's understood that tsunami has hit and, and, you know, we're we're in that sort of coping phase, you know, we are in the middle of the crisis right now. And this is definitely more than just a viral impact. You know, this is really changing people's lives significantly. And just to understand that we're all in the same boat. Um, you know, much like I was, I was talking about our, our markets that we're, uh, that we're appealing to, you know, the whole industry is in the same boat and we're all just trying to make the best of it. So don't think that there's any right or wrong answer. 
you know, really feel free to share with um, with the other people around you. You know, talk to your customers, talk to your friends. What will make their lives a whole hell of a lot easier and design your product around that? And then when you found those um, those little tips and hints, don't be f- afraid to share it with the uh, the people around you because um, we'll, we will get through this together and we're going to be a hell of a lot stronger and more resilient when we get out to the other end. And you know what? We might just might have a few new product lines for ourselves too. But so we're in that, that absolute crisis mode right now. But I think we have to continue to look forward and be really proactive because as we emerge from the crisis, which is going to be that sort of next phase, you know, I'm hoping we emerge from the crisis with a, a real sense of hope and how we're going to create the uh, the future industry that we want going forward because we can as we rebuild not just work with the industry that we have right now or that we had right um uh, not long ago but we can actually work with an industry that is the one that we want going forward into the future you know this is a time to be really creative and innovative with your businesses and our industry and really look forward and be proactive you know, do those things in your businesses that you haven't had time to do in the past. Uh, you know, for my myself, I keep putting bits and pieces of my accreditation off to the side. Well, I'm hoping in another uh, month or so, I'm going to have that time to really <clears throat> focus on getting all of that done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then we have to to look at that post-COVID world, which are those innovations and things like that that you're actually going to fold in that are going to be part of your business going forward. What are those things that you're going to keep in your um, in your toolkit so that if, that, if, if this does and, and when it does happen again, that you'll be able to pull them out easily and be able to um, to to put them to use again. And I'm, you know, even putting um, it's a silly little example, but I had the old uh, credit card click clack machine in our office for years because when the uh, digital system would go down, I would run upstairs, grab it, and we'd just click clack uh, people's cards through again. <laughs> there were a number of millennials in my business who looked at me like, yeah, I was "What nuts, is that?" Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it should be in a museum somewhere. But you know, just put those things back in your toolkit because you might have to pull them out and it may be sooner, it may be later, but just understand how you can recreate your businesses when we, when these really tough times happen. Mm. And I'm really interested in understanding, especially up in, in your region in the north of the state, how are you mm. seeing the industry and community come together to do exactly what you're talking about, not only now in the crisis, but to look to the future and work together on the type of industry you might want to be well and i think that comes probably in another little while i think everybody is so focused on survival right now which mm-hmm. they should be yep. you know thank god they put uh, job seeker and job keeper into place because those are the things that we're just really getting our heads around right now and understanding how we're going to going to keep those uh, those staff going through these times through these programs but again we're getting our heads around it let alone everybody else getting their heads around it well exactly so yeah. uh, you know the legislation hasn't been put forward we don't know exactly how that's going to uh, going to be enacted but um, you know we're really quite assured um, how the government's rolling this out that it will come through and it'll come through quickly mm. we have have had to dip into uh, into some of our, our personal savings to keep things going meanwhile. Um, unfortunately, we did have that. Unfortunately, it also post-tax, et cetera, et cetera. But with the, um, with the government guarantee that you can actually go to the bank and actually get a little bit of, um, uh, of a loan um, that they, the government will uh, co-sign off on or guarantee on, 
to keep us going through that that period of time I know is very welcome for industry. Because if we can really knock this uh, this disease on the head, and particularly in Tasmania, I actually see us um, being able to open again probably sooner than the um, than our interstate in, uh, interstate markets, and being able to start creating that wonder wonderful interstate market and living our Tasmanian life again a lot sooner than the rest of the world will be able to be released. Mm. But with um, with the um, the little mini outbreak up in uh, in the northwest, you know, we really have to get on top of that and make sure that we. Uh, as our dear uh, Premier keeps calling it, Fortress Tasmania is alive and well. Mm. And just before um, we finish, for others who are listening, who are really uh, struggling, they're in a business, they've worked hard to develop that over so many years, Um, they've gone through this, what can only, I guess, just be described as a bit of a trauma process. Mm. Um, What advice do you have, have for them? Um, it is trauma and own the fact that it is trauma and there will be things that's that are seemingly minor and all of a sudden you'll burst into tears um, there will be things that are seemingly minor and all of a sudden you get angry beyond reason and it's all if you actually do a little bit of research into those stages of trauma you'll understand what you're going through and understand that it's not unusual um, I urge people to reach out if they really are feeling like they're not coping because there are people out there willing to help out uh, you know my um my uh email is always on i'm always checking my phone if anybody just wants to have a chat i'm i'm finding that that's the best thing that's happened i've had a number of people phone who i obviously we're having real issues, um, and I know by just sitting down and, and chatting for half an hour, telling them what we've done and how we're going forwards, and just listening to their concerns can uh, can really really help. But I really think that as we get into the next phase, as people can start looking up from the fact that you know all of a sudden all our job our, um, our staff are on either job keeper or job seeker, so we can be comfortable that they're comfortable. We have pivoted our business to the best of our ability. We we'll continue to refine and uh, look forward as, at opportunities and innovate. Then we can really look up and start uh, planning for the future. And I think that that real second phase as we emerge from the crisis will be the really exciting phase. And I think we'll we'll be able to create a lot of opportunity and hope for the future that people will be able to, to latch on to. We are an industry that works hard and we're used to working hard. So that's not a problem at all. It's just giving everybody those ideas, those innovations and the courage take that next step because it is going to be a time where we need to be brave but we also need to be kind because you have to understand that everybody you're talking to not just your co-workers not just the industry not just um just your market but everybody in the community is being hit by this and we're all going through it in a different way absolutely thanks so much kim we really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat with us and we'll continue these conversations because we feel that sharing and communicating is really important for our industry right now so thank you once no again no problem thanks amy You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.